This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time. Time for Silver and Black today. To the ground game. Touchdown, Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. I am Scott Goldbranson, joined by my partner, Mo Moten. Uh, and Mo, we are talking this entire segment, or as long as we can until we get tired of talking about it, um, about what 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 a lot of people figure out or figure to be the biggest factor for this Raiders offense and perhaps for the Raiders season in some ways, and that is the success uh, of Alex Leatherwood. He's moving back to right tackle. We heard early on from new coach Josh McDaniels that he felt he could get him where he needs to be at right tackle. He was not going to keep him at, at right guard. He was going to move him back to his position and give him the opportunity. Then we hear Mo during this offseason, all the great work he's been doing in the weight room with uh, workouts, getting in shape, getting stronger, all of the above that you want to hear a guy who struggled in his rookie season to do. But straight up, is Alex Leatherwood the biggest key for this Raiders offense this coming season? He absolutely is. Uh, one name we haven't mentioned through this whole offensive line segment, Colton Miller. <laughs> and if we don't mention, we don't. If we don't mention, that's a good, good thing. That means there's nothing we have to worry about with Colton Miller on the left side. But Alex Leatherwood, if he is a quality right tackle, then the Raiders have their book and tackles for the foreseeable future. If Alex Leatherwood is not that guy at right tackle, then they have to experiment with him again at right guard. Now, I will say one thing: they did. He did say that he played multiple positions during the offseason during the spring. So. I'm one of those people, I may be in the minority here, but I'm one of those people that think Alex Leatherwood ultimately winds up at right guard. But what I will say is that it is encouraging to hear what Josh McGinnis had to say about Leatherwood. It is encouraging to see that Leatherwood is putting in the work during the offseason. I like what he said during one presser. He's basically working on the basics. He talked about his hands, and that's where it has to start for him. I know we're going to get into that, but for him, it starts with his hands. and has to continue with the way he moves his feet. 
if he can correct those things and he worked with Duke Manyweather during the offseason, Duke uh, runs the big boys club. It's an old offensive line camp. He also holds a summer convention, OL masterminds for players and coaches. He's worked with the guru. He's working on the basics. He understands he, he he's taking his rookie year and just putting it and saying, look, this is what I have to build on. He's focusing on the film. All good signs. And you hear that from a lot of young players. But can he put it together on the field? We'll see starting training camp. Yeah. And Mo, that's what's interesting. I mean, for a guy like Alex Leatherwood, and we'll get into the particulars because you talked about his hands and, and getting stronger and all that. And we'll talk about it in a second. But but could this have been the best thing that could have happened to him was to get a new coaching staff to kind of, even though, of course, this team didn't want to go through all the tumult that it had last year with John Gruden and and all of the other junk that happened around this team with Henry Ruggs. Um, but, but to get a new coach in and to get a new scheme in, all of that, do you think this works out perfect for him because he's able to start over with somebody who early on said that he believed in him? I'd say it's not a bad thing for him because sometimes, you know, he – he obviously had bad film his rookie year. And sometimes if you, if you, if you were to stay with the same coaching staff, coach staff may focus on too many of the negatives yeah. where now he's on a clean slate and the coach staff is looking at from a, maybe from a different prism and saying, look, we understand what happened in your rookie year, but this is what we want to do. And we're just going to start off on a clean slate. We're not going to focus on the, on the negatives or the positives. We're just going to have you go out there and just have you earn this position. That's basically what Josh McGinnis has been saying this offseason is that we're not going to pencil him into a starting role. We're going to let him earn it wherever it is. And and also, I've said this on Twitter, the Raiders have to field the, the best five guys for the offensive line. And that's what Josh McDaniels is focused on doing, whether Leatherwood's a backup, which I know fans don't want to hear because he's a first-round pick, whether he's the starting guard or a tackle. Again, I think he's the guard there just because of his mechanics, but we will see. Yeah, no doubt. And is there what is it? Is there anything about this scheme change that will benefit a player like Leatherwood who struggled to acclimate to that position last year in the NFL? More man-on-man blocking. Maybe you'll see the less zone blocking. Maybe, possibly, because the Patriots kind of, you know, their run game, if, if they're going to run the ball, they're just going to go downhill on you. <laughs> so maybe he gets to use more of that power on the outside. Of course, we, he was known for more his athleticism, ability to move, and that's probably why they felt he was a fit in the zone blocking scheme the pre- with the previous regime. But I think once he learns how to use his hands, once he once he puts his mechanics together, I think going downhill and just getting a man a body on a body, I think that will benefit him. So Mo, that, it, it, it's a perfect foray into talking about his hands for folks who aren't as uh, versed in the X's and O's and the physicality of the offensive line position, especially at the tackle position. Uh, in the NFL, talk about the hands. What does he need to do there? What did we see last year that he that he didn't do well? That if you're Josh McDaniels and that offensive unit, you're looking to get him better. What does he have to do with his hands? He mentioned it during the presser. He said he basically said he didn't know what to do with his hands. I think Vic Tafer from the Athletics said, you know, do you need to have more violent hands? And he he stopped Vic and said, no, I need I need to know where to put my hands first of all. Mm. And if you look at the film, his hands were always low. And when you and when you're not and when you're a tackle facing a, an aggressive edge rusher and he's coming downhill and he's attacking, you have your hands low, you're basically absorbing whatever blow he's gonna give to you. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but you're absorbing the momentum that he's he's you know putting into you instead of attacking. He was way too passive. And when you're not and when you're not confident in where to put your hands, that's when you all of your technique falls apart. So he was getting you saw certain times he would wind up on his back. Sometimes you would see his hands flare up. 
because the when you have an aggressive edge rusher, you don't know what to do with your hands and, and your hands are too low, you're allowing too much pressure. And that's what you saw with Alex Leatherwood. Just wasn't confident in his technique, and it showed on the film. Yeah, it, it's amazing. And, and, and that's the thing, too. I think, yes, these guys make a lot of money. He played at Alabama, won a national championship there. He was used to kind of, quote, unquote, the spotlight. But it's not an easy adjustment, and kids sometimes struggle, right? It doesn't matter how good. And there's great examples of guys who come right out and they're, they're a pro bowler, and I get that too. But are we perhaps, and our Raider fans, there's a lot of Raider fans I feel like have given up on this kid after one season. And again, remember, not all of the players were impacted the same, but it was such an odd season for all the off the field and the issues with the coaching and all of that stuff. Uh, that that if you go in there and you're a little bit tentative and you're not as self-confident as you need to be to make it in the NFL, you can run awry of that. I think a lot of that is what happened. I, again, we have to wait and see. He's got to earn it on the field, but that's got to play into it too. Are we too hard on these guys sometimes despite the money involved? Of course, because we're not out there on the field. We're, we don't have to deal with Joey Bosa and TJ Watt and Miles <laughs> Garrett for 60, you know, for 30 or so minutes. So, it, you know, we, you know, I grew up in the video game era. You think it's just easy to just plug a guy in. Oh, he's a, he's a top-ranked rookie. He should be fine. I think part of it, too, at Raider fans is they saw Rashawn Slater hit with the charges. I believe he was a pro bowler this year right out of, you know, Northwestern. He, he also was off a year because of COVID. But I think they look at Rashawn Slater and they say, well, this guy was successful right out of college. You know, what's wrong with Leatherwood? And a lot of people also had Leatherwood as an early second rounder, late first rounder. I'm not really too concerned about the draft position, more so what he can do. But I think we expect a lot of guys. The other side of the coin is I, I don't like hearing the comparison to him and Colton Miller. People say, well, people gave up on Colton Miller early and look at him now. And I will say Colton Miller also dealt with injuries as a rookie. And he injury. Yeah, he had an MCL sprain. He re-injured yeah. it, I believe, against the Cleveland Browns that year. So he also dealt with injuries. So I don't want to give him an excuse, but there was also there were compounding factors there. Well, Leatherwood, I think, and I mentioned this, coming out of Alabama, he didn't play right tackle at Alabama. He was their left tackle. He was their right guard, I believe, early in his uh, term there. So he he was playing a new position. Then they switched him after four weeks. So there was some, there was some instability there. And I think once he settles down, I think you see a better player. But again, I just think he settles in at right guard. I think that's the ideal position for him. And if, if that is true, and this is why I think the Raiders should bring in Darrell Williams, I think they should bring in a quality right tackle just in case Leatherwood doesn't work out at that spot. Yeah, and, and if he doesn't work out at that spot, you you believe that he would go back to guard? Is that what you think they would do? Yeah, I think he just immediately shifts back to right guard. Now, they're going to try him out, not try him out, but he's going to get reps at right guard during training camp because all offensive linemen are going to cross-train, well, I should say most. Um, I, I think he's going to get some reps at right guard. They're going to see what he is. Now, if he, now, if they look at him and they see he's a better right guard than a right tackle, I don't see what the problem is moving him in permanently and say, okay, we're just going to start him at right guard and we're going to bring in a right tackle. We're going to plug in a luminar at right tackle, or, you know, heavens forbid, we start Brandon Parker, which I don't want to happen. <laughs> ah, there you go. I, I, I just feel like if they move Alex Leatherwood to right guard, they have to sign a Darrell Windsor. They have to sign someone in there to compete with Brandon Parker because I don't want him to just shoe into the position. Well, and that's the thing, and that's where we, we, we started at the beginning of this of this portion of the show asking the question if, if Leatherwood was the key to the season. You said yes, and I agree, because the other scenarios, then you start getting into what happened last year, right, where you had injuries and you had players not playing up to, 
to the snuff, if you will. And so it starts to lead that kind of musical chairs uh, point of view. And, and if they have to go get somebody, that's fine. But, but clearly, this team, especially with the offense, the, what they've added with Devontae Adams and who they have on offense with Darren Waller and, of course, the slot machine, Hunter Renfro, uh, and Josh Jacobs in the backfield, as well as the other running backs like Kenyon Drake, they have it all together. So to not have that right side where you need it to be would be very difficult and maybe distract them from what they could be. Right. Uh, Derek Carr took 40 sacks. Uh, this past season, I believe that's the second most in his career in the season. If and you you mentioned Devontae Adams and the Raiders have you know a bevy of weapons, but it all starts in the trenches. If you cannot protect Derek Carr, if you cannot open up lanes for your ball carriers, then you're not going to get the you're not going to get the best of your of all your weapons because you don't have the protection, you don't have the lanes. So leather would it in a lot of ways he is the key, but this is why I say you have if he's not the guy you think he could be. You have to have a plan B. You just can't pull all your eggs in one basket in in an unproven player and say this is all or nothing with Alex Leatherwood pull that pressure on him. Now, of course, the player will say, I want all that pressure, but you got to give yourself an out just in case it doesn't work out the way you want it to. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. No doubt about it. And and from what we know, of course, it's his first time back being a head coach since the Denver experiment. Uh, Josh McDaniels, though, coming out of the organization that he came out of, you got to figure that they do have a plan B. This is an organization now led by two men with Dave Ziegler who who are steeped in always having plan Bs right now. Even the best organizer gets caught off guard sometimes, but I think that's the difference here. And that's why I agree with you. I think, I think we'll see a veteran come in at some point uh, because Denzel good, as much as I think he is a good player coming back from that knee injury. If you look at history, it takes a while. And I don't think the Raiders can start off with a hole at left guard or at right tackle and stay in the playoff hunt, which is going to be very difficult this year with the AFC West and the entire AFC uh, because it's going to be it's going to be tough. You're going to have to start off well. You're going to have to endure through this kind of gauntlet of a season that they're going to go through. And so, to me, uh, that's incredibly, incredibly vital. Mo, when you look at the rest of this um, offensive line and you start to think about the coaching side of it, uh, what what's different there too? We talked about the scheme a little bit, but what do you expect out of this staff that maybe we didn't see out of Tom Cable staff? I think you're going to get a little more patience out of the staff uh, instead of, as we've mentioned, outside of moving after four weeks. Now, I know Tom Cable said they weren't happy with the right guard position. That's why they moved him. I think they felt like, you know, there was a little panic there because Al Hollywood was, you know, allowing too much pressure. I think you'll see a little more patience because coaching staff is just coming in. Unless Derek Carr is just getting hammered, I don't think you'll see, you know, knee-jerk changes early in the season. I think a lot of the young players are just going to have to ride out because they're all still in the early part of their careers for the most part, with the exception of Colton Miller. They're all learning their positions, you know, from Alex Leatherwood to Andre James to John Simpson. I think Parham has a chance to start at right guard. If it's not Illuminar, he's going to have to learn. So there's going to be a lot of learning. 
There's going to be there are going to be some rough patches as we saw with James and Simpson last year. But if you ride it out and you see some progress, you're better for it going forward. So I think you'll see a lot more a lot more patience, especially if you get, as I said, if, you, if he palms in the lineup, you got to be patient with him. Let him grow. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think so. I think if the, the history of Josh McDaniels, too, on offense and what he did in New England, yes, he didn't make the final calls, but he had a lot of input on that offense. And we saw patience with various players on that offense. So I agree with you. I think we'll see it there. Wow. We're already done with our first show here as an Odyssey original podcast, Mo. Went by so quick, as it always does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it is. We, we, we go through things pretty quickly. We try to do a deep dive and time flies. Yes, it does. And just some some program notes before we say goodbye to Mo. And that is, number one, uh, we will have another show this week. So we're going to have our second show this week. We'll have three shows during the season, which includes a post-game show, depending on what day the Raiders play. Mostly Sundays, of course, but some Thursdays and some Mondays here and there. Uh, And also, that show will be on Thursday. So we'll have that this week. Uh, We're going to break down the defensive backfield, right? So there's another area of concern for the Raiders as we head towards camp. So we're going to go through these positional breakdowns. But also, Mo, we have a special guest. I've been wanting to get him for a little while. He's a little polarizing in Raider Nation, uh, and that is former Raider punter Marquette King will be with us for the next show. I'm interested to hear his story, his end of Raider story, which he's been talking about just a little bit, which blew my mind on the piece of paper that he got cut with. But nonetheless, I'm excited to talk to him. I'm excited to hear his story too. I know a lot of fans are like, oh, I don't want to hear Marquette King. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, I come from a journalism background and I like to hear people's stories. I like to, people, if they don't get their full story out, what's their side, let them tell what happened from their perspective. And I think it's important to hear Marquette King's story. It is. And, and it, it's also, I like a good comeback story. Now I understand a lot of Raider fans. When I was talking about Marquette on the last show, they told me, ah, oh, I don't want to see him. He blew his chance and all that. Look, Lots of people have chances, don't do well, and there's the redemption story like you talk about with journalism. I love the redemption story. So we're going to talk to Marquette King. He's no longer a Raider, but once a Raider, always a Raider. I want to hear about the end of his Raider story because there's been a lot of things out there, and I want to find out what's true, number one. And number two, I'm fascinated to to hear his reasoning why he doesn't believe he's gotten another chance after it didn't work out with the Broncos. So it's going to be fascinating, but that's what we want to do here. We're going to bring you players on the Raiders when we can get them. We're going to bring you other former Raiders. We're going to bring you folks from around the NFL. That's what we do. We want you to do it. And if you listen to Marquette King and and think he's a a, a fool or whatever you want to think he is great, but we're going to give him the opportunity and I'm excited about it. Mo. Yeah. I mean, everyone I think deserves a chance to tell their side of the story Well, most people. Deserve their side they, to tell their side of the story, and I think he deserves that at least. No doubt. All right, my friend, Mo, thank you so much. Make sure you follow Mo. First of all, you can see all his stuff up on Bleacher Report. He writes about the entire NFL, so if you just go looking for Raider stuff there, you're not going to just find Raider stuff there. He breaks down everything. I mean, everything from the NFC, the AFC, fantasy football, you name it, he does it. Then up on sportsnot.com, you can catch all his Raider stuff up there, too where he's also a columnist as well as being a massive video and radio slash podcast star. <laughs> we're, we're trying to deal with the, with the consequences of Mo just growing in his spheres of influence. As, <laughs> as so we call it, as so we call it, but, uh, call it, but we love it and we certainly appreciate it. All right, Mo, we'll see you next time, buddy. All right. Appreciate you all listening. Tune in. Cause we're going to be here two times a week before the season starts three times. As Scott said, during the season post game, Players coming on, some interesting characters. 
to talk to. So keep it locked with us here. Yes. And before I let him go, I have to say at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N on Twitter, the food takes will get you. <laughs> I agree with most of them. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. The cheesecake thing, I, I'm almost there with you. I can have it occasionally, but I, I agree with you. This avocado smoothies are delicious, and we go yeah. on and on. But listen, Mo's got some great commentary there. He also talks about the NBA, which I still don't know. I think the NBA is some minor league basketball league, but uh, it's out there as well. So you get great takes. So make sure you follow him as well. Uh, all right. So that's going to be the end of Silver and Black today. This first Monday edition will go to Tuesday, Thursday, starting next week. But I also want you to catch us Thursday. Marquette King is our guest. We'll talk about his Raider career. We'll talk about his post-career. And also, again, I have to ask you, do me the favor, go subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get it. Please do that. Also, give us a nice rating, would you? A nice five-star rating. Uh, Mo would like a six-star, but they're, we're waiting <laughs> till he grows and influence more till we get a six-star. So please do that for us as well. For the entire team at Odyssey and for Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Silver and Black today.